Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And now, Ask the Expert with Steph. Hello again, and welcome back to Ask the Expert on Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Steph Storr, and I'm especially glad to introduce you all to today's guest, historical novelist and historian Susan Higginbotham. Welcome, Susan. Thanks for having me. Well, you're here today to talk with us about a potentially lesser-known member of a very well-known family. That family is, of course, the Woodvilles. We know Jaquetta. We know Edward IV's wife, Elizabeth. We know a couple of the brothers. But let's talk about Elizabeth's younger sister, Catherine. So before I get to our listener questions, I actually wanted to mention that you've written a novel called The Stolen Crown with Catherine as the main character. Right. Uh, she shares a narration with her husband, uh, Henry Stafford, Duke of Buckingham. So then without giving us any spoilers about her life, since we'll get to that shortly, what made you choose her to write about? Well, when I started, uh, I started writing historical fiction when I became interested in the reign of Edward II in the 14th century. And researching the 14th century sort of gradually led me into the 15th century. And I became sort of obsessed with the Wars of the Roses. And I read a couple of Ricardian novels, you know, novels sympathetic towards Richard III. And they painted the Woodvilles as actually horrible people. I'm not really keen on just accepting things at face value. So I started to research the Woodvilles. And I found them to be a fairly fascinating and, a, I thought, likable family. And so when I, I decided to write my next novel about the Wars of the Roses, I didn't want to write about one of the usual cast of characters, either Richard or, you know, Elizabeth Woodville. I like to sort of take an angle and look at the lesser known people. And Catherine Woodville struck me as a likely person because she, well, she had lived, you know, she was the longest lived of the Woodville siblings. And she had a existence of a lot of ups and downs. And by also to give the uh, male perspective, I decided to help have the, her husband, Harry, who had a rather short, tragic career. I love that perspective. I think that's a great idea. And that, that's something that makes it so, so interesting. All right. So let's talk about then her childhood. She was much younger than her sister, Elizabeth. So was she ra- raised alongside her? Was her mother involved much or was she off at court? What was her childhood look like? We don't know too much about her childhood, 
what we do know is that at age five, age five or six, she was married. And this was not very unusual for, her. of course, she was married after her sister became queen. And suddenly the Woodvilles, who had been, you know, not, I wouldn't say pariahs, but they hadn't been particularly prominent, suddenly the Woodville siblings became very desirable matches for people who wanted a royal connection. And among those who decided that royal connection would be useful was the Stafford family. Uh, and probably Buckingham, young Buckingham, was heir to the Stafford fortune uh, to the dukedom of Buckingham. And his family apparently decided it'd be good to marry him to the queen's sister. And he was only nine, and Catherine was about five or six. And again, these child marriages were fairly common at time among the, the nobility. They would be used strictly for dynastic purposes to link you know, great families together. So neither Catherine or Harry had really any choice in the matter. Uh, it was later said that Harry disliked this marriage. He thought that the Woodvilles were beneath them. Whether this is true, we really don't know. You know, he was age nine. The chroniclers didn't care what a nine-year-old thought. So we have no, we have no, nothing recording what his reaction was at the time. But once they married, um, we really don't know when the marriage was consummated. But Catherine did live in her in her sister's household. We don't have the records; aren't that extensive. But we do know that Cat uh, Elizabeth paid a couple ladies to wait upon Catherine, and Harry and his younger brother Humphrey were also taken care of in the Queen's household. She hired a tutor for them. So there would have been that contact between them during those years. How big of a role did her her parents play in her upbringing versus, you know, nannies and nurses and things like that? I would guess probably not a huge role. Again, you know, this just wasn't recorded. The chroniclers weren't particularly interested in the lives of children or women, but Usually it would have been typical for the children to be, you know, taken care of by a nurse. And the mother probably would have come to see the children, you know, at, you know, maybe once or twice a day after bills. Children would have been carefully taken care of out of sight. That would have been the typical upbringing. But again, we really don't know exactly what it was. Of course, once she got to the court, it would have been a very formal environment. And she would have been, you know, raised with children. There are a number of children that would have been a court, so she would have been spending time with them and, you know, not eating with the adults or anything like that until she got older and, you know, more of the age to behave herself. And so we always have these questions from our listeners that that talk about whether or not it was a love match or what kind of relationships people had within their marriages. And I know that it's difficult to say what how they got along with, with one another. Um, but you had mentioned that, that he, Henry Stafford had said that they were kind of beneath her, uh, or sorry, she was kind of beneath him. So what do you think that their marriage was like? Did they have children together? And then, you know, he went on to become somewhat famous as the Duke of Buckingham. So what was her role in, in his, in his life later on? Uh, they did have five children together. Uh, one of the children died in infancy, as far as we know, but the other four did survive, and they all ended up at the Tudor court. We really don't know too much about their relationship. You know, they spent some time that we, once in a while, they recorded it being at different events together. But aside from that, it's very difficult to guess about what the relationship was, except, you know, there in 1483, when Richard III came to power and Harry Buckingham turned very publicly against his wife's family. 
But then, of course, he turned very publicly against Richard III. And at that point, he and Catherine, whatever their relationship had been before, did seem to form a brief alliance. Oh, they escaped with their children, and Buckingham went off to lead his rebellion. Uh, Catherine would later be captured uh, by Richard III and taken to live somewhere under someone's supervision. And there's an interesting story associated with uh, the time when Buckingham rebelled. As I said, they had four children, and he sent off his oldest son to safety. And he was apparently so worried about Richard III's men getting hold of this boy that he dressed the boy as a girl. And the boy was later found and eventually turned to his mother's custody. Oh, that's interesting. Do you have any more information about that? Like, how was he captured or how was he found out or anything like that? Uh, Well, he was eventually captured in Weebly Castle. And again, I'm not sure of all the details, but Buckingham was not very, this was in Wales, Buckingham was not very popular among his Welsh tenants. And unfortunately, we don't know why. Perhaps he just wasn't a good landlord. Perhaps he was on the stingy side. Anyway, once his tenants did not stick up for him during the rebellion, and probably the tenants uh, led Richard III's men to him and managed to find his son. And when was when was Catherine released? Then you had said that she was she was captured, but yeah, she clearly was at some captured. Point she, was... she was taken, and she was ordered to come to, or someone was ordered to bring her to Richard III. And after that, unfortunately, we really don't know much about her. Eventually, Richard III gave her a grant of money. It was a small annuity, just enough to give her by, get her by. And her sister Elizabeth at this time was also taken into custody. But at this point, we don't we, we don't know whether they were together. They are probably under supervision of someone who is close to Richard III, someone whom he trusted. But that's really about all we hear about the women until Henry VII or Henry Tudor comes and defeats Richard III at Bosworth. Well, that's a nice segue into uh, her life with the Tudors then. So her second marriage to Jasper Tudor happened after Henry VII, the one at at Bosworth. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did she come to marry Jasper? It was probably another arranged marriage. Once Richard III was killed, Catherine came into her husband's uh, money, or she came into her jointure and dower. And so she, at this, this point, was quite wealthy. And so it made good sense for uh, Henry VII to arrange her marriage to his uncle Jasper, whom he looked up to and trusted. So it was a very beneficial marriage for Jasper because he was able to marry a rich widow, a rich young widow. It was probably a beneficial marriage to Catherine, too, because she regained, you know, fairly high status. She was married to the king's uncle, which was nothing to sneeze at. Now, whether it was a love match, I doubt they didn't. They had Probably, if they ever met, it would have been when Catherine was a child, probably in around 1470 or so. And we don't even know whether they actually met then. So they were probably virtual strangers when they married. It's so it's so different to think about, you know, the world that way. Mm-hmm. So now, did they have any children? Uh, they did not. Uh, Jasper was, I forget how old he was. I think he was probably, oh, I'd say probably in his 50s. So he may have been a little past his... Uh, child fathering years and for whatever reason we don't already know why Catherine did not become pregnant by him well we know that she goes on to have a third marriage but what happens to her and Jasper 
so that she's able to get married again. What was the, you know, the death of Jasper or kind of what was, what was their situation at the end of their marriage? Well, Jasper basically, you know, died of old age. You no, know, uh, he was the rare person in Tudor England who died a peaceful death. So he did die a peaceful death. And just two months after that, Catherine pops up and gets married to Richard Win- Wingfield. Uh, Wingfield was probably in Jasper's household. He was the 11th of 12 sons. I often think that Henry VIII should have gone to his house and, you know, drank whatever the water was because obviously Wingfield's father was very, very successful in creating sons. But so he was, Wingfield was, you know, fairly, I wouldn't say he was, you know, low class, but he was certainly, you know, not at the level of a duchess. But Catherine went ahead and married him uh, again, just two months after Jasper's death. So I suspect that this may have been a love match. But then again, we all we also have to speculate. It may be that she just liked this young man and didn't want another arranged marriage, so she decided to arrange matters herself. What we do know is the king was not happy. Henry VII was not happy. In fact, he fined the couple for marrying, which was something that kings often did when a couple married without royal license, as they put it. The crown would impose a fine. Uh, unfortunately for for Catherine's oldest son, Edward, uh, it was Edward who ended up paying the fine. So Catherine and Wingfield pretty much got off scot-free, and poor Edward got stuck with the with the fine. Speaking of her children, do we know any of her children from any of uh, some from any other noteworthy events that might have happened later? Uh, we do uh, mainly Edward, uh, Edward Stafford, Duke of Buckingham. Uh, and like his father, he fell afoul of the king. This king was Henry VIII. And it's sort of obscure exactly what got the king going against him or what made Edward uh, Edward take against the king. But it seems to me that he was basically, you know, muttering things to the wrong people about how he didn't want to support Henry VIII. And Henry VIII, being a tad touchy about these things, had him executed. Fortunately, Catherine was not alive at the time, so she had not lived to see this. How did she die? Oh, uh, she died just about, I, I believe it's about just about 14 months after she married Richard Wingfield. We don't know what she died of. My own guess is that perhaps she died of complications from childbirth. But again, you know, there's no record of that. So that is just sheer speculation on my part. Was there was there a child? Uh, no, there is no surviving child. So what makes you what makes you speculate that? Have you read anything that says that that she may have been pregnant? Oh, uh, just well, she was only about thirty eight, and there is really no record of her being in poor health before. And she was obviously fertile since she had born five children, so she wasn't and she wasn't past her childbearing years. But again, you know that's the reason I have for suspecting that she could have died of you know any of them or things. But I guess sure. to take the romantic view, that would be one. Sure. Yeah. So now if you're looking over the course of her life, what do you think is one of just maybe one of the most interesting things about Catherine Woodville that sets her apart from the rest of the Woodville family that that we do talk about all the time? Well, she was the last surviving of the Woodvilles. Uh, She was both the youngest and the last to survive. Uh, And I think she sort of epitomizes to me uh, 
the fate of noblewomen in the 15th century because she was, you know, married without any real choice to matter. And she rose to very high estate. You know, she was a five-year-old who suddenly became a duchess. And at that time, there just weren't that many other duchesses in England without any, you know, agency of her own. She was suddenly raised to very high position, but it was also a position that brought her a lot of tragedy. I think people tend to romanticize uh, nobility in the Middle Ages, but during the Wars of the Roses, being a noble was probably about the worst thing that could happen to you because you had to take a side. And if you're a woman, pretty much your life was determined by what side your husband took. And so there were there were, were a lot of ups and downs, and there was a certain amount of danger. Right. That's such an interesting perspective, but you're you're totally right. Okay, so let's take a little a little time here to talk about your book, The Stolen Crown. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe a quick synopsis, a Cliff Notes version, if you will, of your book, and where can we get it? Well, it's easily available through Amazon, and you know through any you can always order it through any bookstore. I guess it basically pretty much follows uh, Catherine's lives and Harry's life throughout, through all their ups and downs. And that's pretty much about it. There's, you know, lots of ups and, and there are a lot of downs too. But I had a good time researching it. We really don't know much about Catherine. You know, we know almost nothing about her personality. So I really had to invent a personality for her. And I made her into a rather likable person, I think. And we really don't know much about Harry, her husband, either. He was in a very interesting position because he was basically a person from a Lancastrian family growing up in a Yorkist world. And I sort of played with that because it gave him a sense of divided royalties that I think may have affected, you know, the actions he took later in life. He never really quite fit in with the within the Yorkist reign. And in fact, Edward IV never really gave him any power. You know, he gave him some lands, but that's really about it. He was pretty much kept out of Edward IV's government. And one thing we do know is that he resented this, and that may be one reason why he fell in with Richard III so easily, that he held a grudge against Edward IV for not treat, for basically, you know, cold shouldering him throughout his reign. So I played with that without a lot in the novel about his feelings of being excluded. Yeah, that so- it sounds like it, it was a good time to to write about. And you said that you you had fun reading about it and researching. Was there anything in your in your research that you thought was surprising or that you found that was kind of a little tidbit that you were thinking to yourself, "Oh, I have to include this in the book." You know, that's something cool that people would like to know that don't necessarily know. I think it's just I. I just I think it's just I discovered, you know, we don't hear much about Harry's relations. It was just more thinking about all his Stafford relations. He was a Beaufort on one side, and of course, you know, Margaret Beaufort was Henry the Seventh Henry Tudor's mother. But his other Beaufort relations, his uncles, came to very bad ends. They were both supporters of Henry the Sixth and of Margaret of Anjou, and they were executed. Henry, Harry Stafford is pretty much who most of his family was wiped out by the time he had come to, by the time he came to Edward IV's household. And he was just in a very awkward position. Well, I look forward to reading it. And I'm sure all of our listeners look forward to reading it all because it's, it's so exciting to be able to see kind of the juxtaposition, I guess, if you will, of 
someone we know like Henry Stafford, you know, alongside Catherine Woodville, who we can't wait to get to know. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. So again, thank you so much to our guest today, Susan Higginbotham, our listeners who wrote in questions. We couldn't do it without you. And to everyone listening to this week's episode. So as always, we appreciate your support and we hope you'll tune in again next time as we continue to ask our experts the pressing questions you want answered. If you love the Tudor's Dynasty podcast and want to show even more support, please consider becoming a patron where you'll not only receive the great content we offer now, but extra insider research, info, prizes, and other exciting opportunities only offered by subscribing. Until next time, thanks for listening. And again, thank you, Susan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.